Hello and welcome to Connected, a podcast about people, ideas, marketing, technology and everything that's good. I'm ASD, a digital man here at Mediacom. Hi, I'm Sue Uniman. I'm Chief Transformation Officer at Mediacom. And joining us today is Steph, who's already said hello. How are you doing, Steph? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you very much. Lovely to be here. So Steph Calcraft is the Mediacom Global CEO of Creative Transformation. He is also a co-founder of Mother and a former UK and Ireland executive chairman of Denser Aegis Network. He also sat on the board of Naked Communications, a pioneering independent shop that fused creative and media strategy from its launch in 2000 until 2008. Uh, Steph, you've been in the role just over a year now. How has it been uh, versus what you expected it to be? Um, well, I, I've known uh, Mediacom and worked with Mediacom for many years, and I always would try to work with Mediacom when I could, whether it's in pitches or I always loved connecting on uh, brands together. We did a lot of work on Boots in the early days. Uh, we worked on Egg together, lots of brands, and um, also got involved in your brilliant uh, win and work on Tesco. And so I'd always known of you and being close to you. So I've known Sue for a number of years, uh, known Nick uh, Lawson, um, got to know Matthew Mee very well, um, obviously knew Steve. And thinking about you and thinking about joining, uh, it was the company I always should have joined. It felt like a sort of destiny. But of course, because it's so successful and it's been such a wonderful company, um, I wasn't quite sure whether or not my experience from the outside would, would match this, the experience on the inside. But I have to say it has been the most amazing experience and um, it fully confirms uh, what I felt before. Uh, and the strongest, strongest thing is the people and the culture it is absolutely exceptional. Um, so the people that I work with now, uh, all of the people that I will meet, all the people I've already met, are of a different order of capability and talent. Um, and it makes my job absolutely brilliant. Um, and I feel together we are doing great things and can do great things together. Um, but it is very, very unique. It's a very, very rare thing to find an organisation of this scale with such a strong people first culture. So that's how I found it. It's, it's, it's good to hear that. Um, now, I suppose joining us from that other media agency yeah. is one thing, but jumping from running a creative agency to media agency management is another thing again. Yeah. What brought that about? Well, I've always been uh, a restless thinker. So uh, my, my background, I, I grew up in the countryside and my parents were both uh, academics in the arts. So I grew up in a house full of ideas and I I suppose that's something that I've always looked for um, I love spending time uh, talking about ideas developing things making things happen and working with super bright people and so funnily enough I actually started as a client so I've always searched and been looking for uh, ways of making things better and coming up with new ideas and therefore I was led from Unilever into advertising first of all and then I went I think some of you know I, I had three amazing years at VBH, then set up Mother, but then set up Naked. Um, and therefore, it's been a journey, um, and it's been a journey uh, of discovery. And I think that's what keeps everybody uh, ultimately energised, is the, the idea of progress and the idea of finding new and better ways of doing things. So 
mother uh, in its heyday is still doing uh, you know brilliantly um was always progressive in that way and that's how we did what we did um for so long and so well um and i don't see the way that mediacom looks at the world as any different in fact i think it's very similar it is a organization that is always trying to find new and better ways of doing things it's, it's probably it's its own harshest critic which i love we were always like that at mother um, and I feel that it is a very good organization as well for trying to do that. So I think progress, advancement, betterment are the things that made Mother Mother. And I think it's what makes Mediacom Mediacom. Super interesting. Um, it's interesting how you say how similar they are, because on the, on the face of it, they're very different. You know, you've got Mother with this... Yeah gigantic concrete table and the pictures mothers on the and then we've got our building but it's amazing to hear how the the spirit of the two is similar but what is the difference in running the two so scale first of all um but the interesting thing and i it struck me the other day one of the consequences of the pandemic is you see uh, a lot more faces from much further away so i see australia and china uh, much more than I would have done, probably. And the teams down there, uh, I see Singapore, I see Japan the other day. I see everybody all over the place. And do you know what? There's one thing that is consistent. Everybody smiles. So I see smiling faces from around the world. And of course, it's hard work a lot of the time and we have to hunker down to get to the right answers we need to get to and so on. Um, so, so that kind of scale was not present uh, so much at Mother. Having said that, when I would turn up, whether it was in New York or um, Buenos Aires at Mother, I would be met with smiling faces too. But I think it's making sure that one takes people with you on, on the journey. And that also, there is so much um, expertise that is more available to learn from inside, I think, inside Mediacom because it's just so much bigger. Um, but again, because it's combined with that people first attitude, it, it, it makes it possible. I also think the opportunities are bigger. That's ultimately why I moved. The opportunities are bigger to make a difference at Mediacom because our clients are so extraordinary and because they're so diverse and because there are so many of them. Uh, I, I like to describe it as an Aladdin's cave of opportunity. Um, so I think it's ultimately scale, but the scale doesn't make Mediacom less personable or less people focused. And that's the brilliance of what Steve and Nick and Sue and uh, everybody else has built over the years. So taking you back, um, when Mother set up, remind me when that was? Uh, oh, my goodness. 1997. So last century yeah it came into the world with a mission to shake up the status quo yeah. can you remind us what that vision yeah. was at the time well first of all it, it i don't think it was overtly expressed as that um i can tell you what we felt mm. so it was a it was a business that we wanted to create that was based on empathy and humanity mm. and Therefore, I suppose no one's ever heard this before, so I'm sure my partners won't mind me sharing one or two intimate secrets about how we were born. But we did famously sit around a, um, 
a table and talk about it. But ultimately, we wanted to create a good company. So we wanted to create a company that we felt was good and that did the right thing. And we defined that in a number of ways. So we, we felt that we wanted to only work with people who wanted to make a difference. We had a holy trinity of do the best work we possibly can, make a difference and have fun, um, make a living and have fun rather. So money was never the object. Money was a consequence of trying to do good things and to work with good people to change things for the better. And that doesn't sound like a shake up the industry kind of mission, but it arrived at a time when I think the industry had slightly lost touch with itself in certain parts of it. There were always brilliant agencies like BBH, and you know I was lucky enough to work there, um, and of course Mediacom. Um, but there were lots of other agencies that had slightly got out of touch, I think. And because we felt in touch and we were less strident, we were just a bit mysterious and had a funny name, and then we started producing all this modern work that people hadn't seen. They they put all of those things together and said we were trying to shake up the industry. We weren't. We were just trying to do what we felt was right. It's trying to be good. Interesting. I realise there's a lot of questions about mother here, and that, no, that, that, that's not the intention. But what what we're finding out is we're focusing on the spirit of of what you want to achieve, and it's really exciting to hear that it's so transferable to what we're doing here uh, but we've we've got the scale to achieve it and I, it, it's making me really excited to work for Mediacom still more <laughs> so whatever the right thing to say is um but so going back to last century and to now what are the similarities and differences between when you wanted to between what you want to achieve with mother and what you want to achieve here is it all the same or have you learned stuff to make it slightly um, different well i uh i learn stuff every day and i think that's what makes keeps you useful um, so, of course, I, I've learned a huge amount um, from my job. I've learned a huge amount being a dad. I've learned a huge amount being a husband and hopefully being a friend and so on. So I think that the life journey is one of learning always um, and to always understand that you will never know as much as you might know tomorrow. Um, and you have to keep that perspective in mind. Um, but the ambition has always been the same to find the better solutions for the problems that surround us. I do think the big difference between, say, 2005 and now is that there are massive structural global issues that we really do need to sort out. And that is the sustainability agenda, which is fundamental um, to our future survival as a species. Uh, I'm a massively, um, I'm massively animated about um, particularly gender diversity, but also now about the wider diversity issues that face us all. Um, and I'm a huge believer in trying to make um, things as diverse as they can possibly be, because you always get a better answer when they are. Um, so I've learned those, but I've always felt those anyway. I think there's a much greater clarity about the necessity for that. And I think that's a very, very exciting thing. Um, but in the end, I want to be working with people who really care who want to make the world a bit better. And it might sound a bit dreamy, but I think we can make things more dynamic, more positive than ever before. We just have to collectively decide we want to do it. And people talk a lot about the power of purpose. I think purpose is everything um, because it has to be. And that's what I would like to achieve. I would like to be part of 
an amazing group of people in an amazing company. Whenever we touch anything, we make it better. That's what I'd like to do. Sounds like a sounds like a good revolution. <laughs> what's next for you? I'm doing this. So so what's next for me is is fulfilling the potential that I think we all feel. I think uh, Nick's vision is absolutely brilliant. I love the simplicity of it and the humanity of it and seeing the bigger picture which um, we will become famous for uh, is something probably the company's always done but I think being more overt about it will be extremely powerful and extremely galvanizing and being part of the team all of all of us are on that team to see the bigger picture and act accordingly I think is so exciting that that um, is a hugely inspiring hugely exciting future to, to to walk towards and for me now making my part in that as positive as possible will be great super interesting stuff super interesting so um now we're on to our regular questions <laughs> yeah where we ask everyone so we can compare and contrast so could you please say your favorite line from a song or a book and, and I should warn you, Steph, that we're having to be very strict about these questions lately I'm, because because people have been messing with us. So, so I'm not going to mess with you too much, but I am going to have a little bit of flex on a couple of them. I hope that's about. <laughs> we'll so, we'll see. <laughs> so I'm I'm a fan of truisms, and I'm a fan of simple human speak. So I could reel off a whole load. Um, for the favourite line from a poem, song or, song or book. However, there is something that I would love everybody to watch. And it's the title of it is very simple, which is if you want to change the world, start off by making your bed. And, and it's by a US Navy Admiral, a guy called William McRaven. And it was a speech he was making uh, to an audience of military people in the US. But it's all about how one has to start the day with a small task that then sets you up to do other things. And it's framed within a, 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 a military context. So some people might find that not, not perfect, but the actual message itself is amazing. And the reason it's powerful for me is because we're creatures of habit. And sometimes our heads go down and sometimes we need to go back to the really small things and the simple things to get us to move forward in a positive way. And as I said, you know, in the previous section, um, I believe moving forward is the, I think we're programmed to do that as a species. And I think moving forward is always good. Um, but moving forward doesn't come from some lofty ambition. You have to start small. And that idea of why making a bed gives you a sense of achievement and it just gets you wired to start off the day. And there's a great thing it says in during the speech at the end of the day when you've had an absolute howler and everything's gone wrong and you probably feel like you've totally flunked. At least you come back to your bedroom and your bed's made. So you feel, ha, huh, well, at least it's at least the bed's there. So that's uh, that's the, the line. It's if you want to change the world, start off by making your bed. And I, I would encourage you to search. It. It's on YouTube. Uh, it's, a, it's only six minutes, but it's a great sort of it stops you and makes you think about the small things which i think keeps you grounded i'll put the link in the email cool. and it's on the podcast right so if you were a genie what five commonly available objects would i have to put in a magic circle to summon you 
Right, so these are, these are my, this is my flex. There are only three, and uh, they're not commonly uh, available objects. <laughs> right, so we're so, not going to allow them then. We're not gonna, we're not, you, we're, you, might, you might want to save them for what, three items in your house are giving you comfort, because no, that's more specific. No, I've got a different, I've got a different one for that <laughs> okay. no, this, well, this, this tells you who I am. So the first thing you, is the you, South Downs. You try it. Okay, the Go first on. thing is the South Downs. So yeah, I, I don't know if that's, that's allowed. I grew up under the South Downs, and um, there's some amazing writing about them. They are a uh, set of hills that turn into the South Downs Way, and they're very old. Um, and a lot of them are wooded sometimes, and some of them are pasture. But um, Hilaire Belloc, the writer, he described them as the sleeping giants. And you look at them, and there's the stillness, and there's an ancientness about them. And in certain places, they've got sort of Bronze Age tumuli on them. But it's very still and it's very magical. And if you wanted to summon me, if you put the South Downs uh, uh, in a circle, I'd be there in a flash. No, we uh, can allow that. that. We've had we've had a city, but county before. Haven't we? Okay. Before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So absolutely, you can have the South yeah. Downs. Good. Uh, the next thing is um, early morning sunshine. And so I'm a lark as opposed to an owl. So we're all either owls or lark. I unfortunately, I tend to be an owl as well. So sometimes I need a good snooze. There is something so amazing about the sun when it first comes up. And whether it's a frosty morning and there's uh, the grass is sort of that yellowy, that that uh, sort of grey colour because it's all frosty and slightly sparkling or you it's a it's a it's a may or june morning and the birds are singing or when you're on holiday sometimes there's that that moment when the day is new and it's full of possibilities and the early morning sunshine is something that i will never ever ever tire of and you know it's the sort of thing when you get up sometimes and you just walk or you just smell the air the early morning sunshine is for me the the frame to think about life. The day is full of possibilities and you can do things uh, that are wonderful. That's gorgeous. And, and what a romantic you are. It's <laughs> really yeah. lovely. So well, South Downs and Sunshine, good. And then the final and one is uh, obviously those I love. So, um, no. Yeah. No. no, then they're not allowed. Okay. Well, look, we'll help you. We'll help you here, Steph. Um, okay. Favourite biscuit? Um, they're anything with dark chocolate on them. Okay. Okay. Is there an, an alcohol or a drink? Um, well, it depends. Uh, a wonderful glass of red wine uh, when I am with friends or at home. Uh, occasionally, I, I tell you what, it's one of the greatest drinks of all time because it is so simple. It's just a dry martini with a twist. It is the most cleansing, pure drink. And gin, gin or vodka? Uh, you can have both. I like vodka, but I also like gin. But there's a simplicity about it and a clarity about it that is wonderful. Uh, probably only one, but it's great. Yep. Okay. Glass. Good glass of red. Um. Mar- good. Martini, good martini. Yeah. One yeah, more. Well, oh, no, dark, dark chocolate biscuit. Would you yeah. just rather have dark chocolate rather than dark chocolate biscuit? Dark chocolate. Sorry, that's ba- dark, much. Dark better. chocolate. Yeah, much dark better. Chocolate. Dark chocolate. Very good. Yeah. We got there. Seventy-five percent, ninety percent. How how dark do you go? Well, I would start. I think there's a base level of seventy-five percent, <laughs> and I think getting up to ninety is always great. It goes a little bit bitter at ninety, but there's something really good about that. So uh, between, I'd say my range would be between seventy-five and ninety percent. Fantastic. 
Tesco do a great range of dark yeah. chocolate because they do single bean. So yeah, amazing. So you yeah. taste all the different. Anyway, anyway. Uh, so, Steph, we're in we're in tricky times. But what three items in your house are giving you pleasure at the moment? And we're assuming that your loved ones, as you mentioned, yeah. and any pets, anything that's alive is doing so. So three other things. Please. Well, well, there's a there's a. It's probably more than three, but there is an overarching. Um, feeling or thought that has struck me i'm sure it's struck many people um it's the strangest strangest time with some positives but an awful lot of negatives but the thing that has um enabled me to make the, the sense that i can of it and i suppose we're all trying to make sense of it um is the sense of living in the now so i feel i'm in the present more than i've been for some time, I suppose. And what that means is, it's the again, it's a bit like the making making your bed in the morning. It's the small things, being thankful for small things, but also thinking about the small things that that somehow enable uh, at least me to, to 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 make sense of everything. So, cooking with my kids, for example, is a joy. I you know for years and years, like all of us. I haven't done that in the daytime, you know. So when they're back at the weekend, because of, or half terms coming up, I'll cook with them. Different, you know, individual do you have things. A do you have a signature dish that you that you well, particularly? So favorite? at the moment, I'm I'm expanding my repertoire. I do do a very good. So I've been told uh, warm chicken salad. Um, huh? I I often cook uh, the roast on Sundays. Um, but I'm branching out now. So uh, my son is, does a brilliant uh, uh, tuna uh, pasta uh, from scratch, which sometimes I'm the sous chef on. He's the actual chef and I'm, he's 12. He's, he's the actual chef and I'm the sous chef. But those kind of things are amazing and they're gifts. So being around and, you know, one of the things I'm sure we all would identify is Zoom is or Teams is great in some ways, but we've often have got into the habit of having back to back to back to back to back calls and that is too much so pulling out of those and having 15 minutes just to decompress so that you're fresh for the next call and then finding a small thing to do i think that that for me has been the 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 way of getting some kind of um, normality back um popping outside for 10 minutes take a breath there um one of my friends sent me a uh, a little link about uh, just a, just breathing and how you breathe to decongest your mind. And I'm sure that to, just staring into a screen for hours uh, uh, at a time is is a bad thing for human beings. I don't think that's a good thing. So well, although, although people don't have a problem with it when it comes to staring at Facebook for hours and hours, do they? Yeah, and I think that's a bad thing. I mean, if you've watched um, The Social Dilemma on Netflix, i put that link into this, by the way. I think mm. that everybody should watch that that uh, documentary. I think staring into anything for hours is a bad thing. I think we are physical, social creatures that thrive on physical interaction. So I think the amazing things that technology helps us to do are great, but I think too much of them is a bad thing. And I think we need to be connected um physically uh and i think what what lockdown has taught us is that we miss it so when i when i look at my kids my my very interesting to me 
when he wasn't able to go to school. As we got, we had a lovely summer and we were, we did loads of stuff together. And he said to me the first week of September, he said, he sort of sighed and he said, I just want some normality back. And I think we all feel that. And I think that um, being grounded, being physically located, you know, I don't know about you, but having I've been able to go back in the office a little bit before uh, we were, we've then had to vacate. And the sense of relief of just being around the table with some MediaCom people talking about ideas or solving oh, problems. I think we've drifted, haven't we? We've drifted yeah, off we have. topic. We have. So have. Three, three items in your house, cooking with your kids, cooking, breathing, cooking outside. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and actually doing a bit of gardening is great. And a bit brilliant. of gardening. All right, brilliant. brilliant. Um, right. Uh, if you could change the industry in, what, in one way right now, I'm going to give you the magic power to, yeah. to do so, Steph. What would you do? I think the industry needs uh, a radical agenda for change. I think the industry needs to lead by example. And I think we need to lean into uh, sustainability, diversity and responsibility. I think we can command and communicate with everybody. And I think we don't do that. And I think we should. Really interesting. Uh, if we could give you a billboard, if we were to give you a billboard, where would you put it and what would it say? So, again, this is a tiny bit of flex. So this is this is what uh, when you gave me this, I thought I thought it was a wonderful question. By the way, I do love your questions. But this is what I would if I could. This mm. is what I would do. So I would build stages with the biggest digital billboards in the world. And I would put one in Parliament Square. I would put one in Tiananmen Square. I put one on the White House lawn and I put one in front of every seat of government in the world. And then I would invite every person under 20 who felt moved to speak on the subject of if I ran the world to share their thoughts and their hopes, their fears and their ambitions for how we need to correct all the, the mess that has been made of the world as it currently is. And it isn't a mess. And then I would also link to that uh, the government's being compelled to act on what they heard. So I know that's a bit of a flex, but that's what I do. And that would change the world. It's certainly uh, not unambitious. Yeah. So yeah. Now, the questions that you cannot prepare for, Seth. Go, go final for question. Um, and uh, normally, normally Andrew gets them out of the box, but I've got the box at home, so I've got oh, them out of the box. Is. And I'm going to, oh, I'm going to have to turn my camera on. They're from uh, Alan de Button's School of Life. They're his box of questions. Excellent. There you go. So I'm going to hold them up. I'm going to yeah. say one, two, three. Oh, I can't, which would you like? I can't see them. Sorry. If you, but you, no, you can't see them. Oh, I see. I, one, I don't mind. Two, the, uh, the middle one. Okay. Have you ever had a religious experience? Um, I've had spiritual experience. I haven't had a religious experience. You want to tell us about it? Oh, or um, yeah, I think um, it happens a lot. I think the world is uh, an extraordinary creation. And I do believe that this is the sort of thing I say to my kids. If you actually trust your gut instinct above everything else and act on it. it there is a kind of spirituality in it which is very strange I um, 
I was asked to speak at the, the graduation ceremony of my old university, and I, I spoke to the, to, to, there were 2,000 graduates there, and I said, you know, what can I tell them that would be any interest uh, or use at all? And I basically said that, look, if you think too much about things, you'll over-intellectualize and you'll probably go off on a tangent. But if you if you sentimentalize and you trust your heart, you could easily go the other way. Your gut is absolutely never wrong. But your gut is somehow spiritual because you know and you know when things are right. And the problem is when you don't listen to it. So that that for me, I don't know whether that's not what I I didn't even know I was going to say that just being here now, having been prompted. But that is a kind of spiritual thing and it connects us all. Steph, this has been a very inspiring and wonderful podcast, a very human podcast. I think many people take a lot of peace from. So I just want to thank you for your time. Well, it's, a, it's an absolute pleasure, and I, I you know, um, I hope it, it's been nice for me as well, actually. And I think the way that you constructed it is brilliant. So, uh, if that worked for you, that worked for me. So, it's been a huge pleasure. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you too. Bye, Thanks. everyone.